0: Welcome to the Fellowship Regional Church Podcast. Outside of nearly every town in Israel was a camp. This camp housed a certain type of people. They were called the living dead. So they would take these people and they would move them outside the city because the law was very specific. If you suffer from some sort of ailment on your skin, external, that people could see, if there was some sort of oozing sore or white fleshy spot or scaly mark outside the city, the living dead. There was a whole process if you wanted to be reintegrated into society. There was an entire process, a full regimen of ceremonies that you had to go through with the priest at the temple and all of these other things that it involved so that you could get diagnosed as clean so that you could move back in to society. Some did. But for unknown reasons, some did not. And so they lived their existence completely outside of society. The disease is called leprosy. Strangely enough, still today in the U.S., anywhere from 100 to 200 cases emerge every year. I don't know if you knew this or not, but all the way up until 1999, there were leper colonies in the U.S. Hawaii had one forever, and Louisiana had one no offense but that makes sense because of this disease you got ostracized and pushed completely out of society here's what's crazy about the disease is that it manifests in these sores and these white spots the loss of fingers and limbs but what it really does is this what we call hansen's disease now Is a deadening of the nerve endings so this disease actually causes you to not feel pain doesn't sound so bad right go without some pain the other strange thing about this disease is that on the inside you can be very very healthy but on the outside You are absolutely a wreck there's been a whole bunch of studies done on the um, on the psychological toll that quarantined lifestyle will lead to so when you were plucked up completely out of your world and you were thrown in a room or outside of town and you were blocked off completely from everybody else no physical touch nobody could come visit you were just locked off and somebody with a clipboard stands outside your window and writes stuff down. And they talk about what happens, that the morbidity, the psychological morbidity that goes on with these people. It counts up to like PTSD. That this, everything is different now. We come across Jesus in Matthew's gospel. Matthew chapter four verse 23 says <clears throat> Jesus went throughout Galilee teaching in their synagogues preaching the good news and the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people news about him spread all over Syria and the people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases those suffering severe pain the demon possessed those having seizures and the paralyzed and he healed them large crowds from Galilee the Decapolis Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. You know what you don't hear on that list? You hear every kind of disease. You know what word you don't hear on that list? Leprosy. It's kind of strange, really. In the eyes of the priest, the only thing that would be more defiling than touching a corpse would be touching somebody with leprosy. There were other healings that took place at the hands of other rabbis, high priests, teachers of the law. It wasn't often, but it happened. You know the one thing that they talked about, the hardest thing to do? Other than raise the dead, heal a leper. But see, there's this social stigma that comes with leprosy. You see, we can see it you walk in the door with leprosy and you're missing all your fingers, you're missing your nose, you're missing your ears, and you're wrapped up in this tunic. You look like a dead man. You've got these cloths wrapped all the way around you. It's evident something's wrong. You see, the belief was this. There's a reason you got leprosy and I didn't. The reason you got it is because there's something going on inside of you. This is God. Coming into your life and smashing you. What did you do wrong? You see this in the book of Job. Job is afflicted. Satan afflicts Job with this thing. He's got these boils. And his three friends showed up. Let me tell you something. If any of you are my friend and you show up at my house, if I get sick and you're like, what, you, what are you doing wrong? Punching in the face. You're getting punched in the face. What's going on in the inside? <laughs> Outside. Get out of my house. And they asked Job, what's going on on the inside, Job? This whole thing carried over for years. The other thing was this, the panic of leprosy convinced people that this was a highly contagious disease. It takes anywhere from four to seven years for the symptoms to set in from leprosy. 95% of people are already naturally immune to leprosy. This panic was just complete outrage, just off the charts. But this is kind of what we do. Anthrax. SARS. Monkeypox. I mean, this is what we do. We just panic. It's what we always do. Jesus is teaching. He's got this following who's coming with him, everywhere he goes. He's healing all kinds of diseases. Don't see leprosy on the list, though. Just don't see it. He shows up. People are going crazy about him. He has thousands in tow. But see, this story about Jesus, all these stories about Jesus begin to stack up. They begin to just spread throughout everywhere even the dark corners of every community in those little places we call the leper colony people are hearing these stories even the lepers those with no ears are still hearing these stories from Jesus for some this is the way it goes and I think you can get there some of you can for sure you know, Jesus can make you whole. i prayed to be made whole before. i prayed for other people to be made whole before. You know, Jesus can move into your heart and into your life, and he can make everything better. It's true. I do believe that, 100%. But you made it sound like making Kool-Aid. Let's put this and put that, and hey, hey, hey. everything's better. Really? Is that, how, is that how it's worked for you? If it has, I'm in the wrong seat, and you are also in the wrong seat. I should sit where you sit, and you come up here, because I don't know what that's like. And you can imagine what it was like as some faithful family member would show up at the leper colony to bring new bandages and bread. And they would show up and they would say, hey, I don't know if you know or not, but there's another rabbi. He's, he's healing people. You can almost hear it in the masses. You can almost hear it in this, these bound up, sore, riddled people. You can almost hear the just disgust. Uh, if he's so great, why didn't he come here? That's sharp. You can almost see it on their face. Mom, seriously? Are you seriously going to talk to me about that again? Talk to me about Jesus again, Mom? He's not coming. There's nobody out healing everybody. No one's coming to the lepers. You know how they feel about us. I know. I'm just saying that if there was any way that you could get there. Mom, I live here the law says if you have leprosy you must live alone you must live outside the city what do you want me to do leave quarantine just go running off among all the other good healthy Israelite people that's what I'm supposed to okay well just give me Jesus itinerary and I'll chase him down I'm sure he'll be thrilled to see me coming So. so. I'm sorry I brought it up. These stories just keep coming. And for most, this is the response. But for one, something changes. Story after story begins to build something and construct something inside of him. And what he does is the thing that we oftentimes neglect doing, and that is letting the miraculous move its way in to our imagination. If that's Jesus, tell him I'll call him (laughs) back when when I'm through. But we don't. We, We never let the miraculous move its way in to our imagination. We look at everything with this logical, reasonable type of thing, and we never, ever let our imagination move over into this category and say, what would happen if? What would happen if? For one guy, he does. He keeps hearing these stories over and over. And he's sat there in the dust, in the rags, day after day. Who knows how long he's there? He sits there day after day, and he hears these stories about Jesus. So he's the kind of guy that, in the middle of the night, as he would let the these, these tales of this, mysterious rabbi kind of wander around in his head at night he would lay down while everybody else was moaning and groaning and crying missing their family missing their wife missing their spouse their children he would lay there and in his dreams he would see himself again with two hands he would see himself again with two hands he would dream of the fact that he would be using those two hands to hold the hands of his children and they would walk to the temple and they would worship. And he could smell the burnt offerings, the sacrifices, and he let it get into his imagination and he let it begin to become a dream inside of him. And you know those dreams that you have to where it's got to be real. It has to be real. It's the realest thing you've ever experienced in your entire life. It has to be real. You wake up and you look out the window and you're 11 years old and there's really no motorcycle outside. That's Sucked for me when I was 11. Was so amped up. Woke up wide awake. My mom and dad got me a motorcycle. Why would you get an 11-year-old a motorcycle? But it was nice. And I ran to the window and I pulled back the curtains and I looked. That's absolute betrayal. My mind has betrayed me. These dreams just kept happening. Maybe for this guy it's the same thing. Begin to fabricate in his mind. And he would sit there and he would just daydream. What else does he have to do? In Hawaii, what they used to do in the leper colony is they would do this thing to where they would go on shifts, panhandling. So somebody would go sit for eight hours, and somebody else would go sit for eight hours. And that's how they got money for the community. He had to go panhandle. This guy would sit around, and he would just think. Maybe he's just dreaming. wonder if I could really leave the leper colony I mean who's gonna what are they gonna do grab me are they gonna arrest me hold me down what's keeping me here you know what's amazing to me is that it, it shows us just just how much pride is from the very pits of hell When sometimes what we do is we settle in on our pain and our misery at the very bottom, the furthest down we have ever been. And we will settle in because it is so much easier to just accept the crap that's in our life right now than it is to ever humble ourselves and ante up again to play. Sometimes we don't. I'll just take what I have and move on. So many people in this leper colony they just sat there jesus is just a couple of blocks away and no one's running after him why it just shows you it doesn't even matter how far down you go there's always this hell-bent part of us that's prideful i'm not gonna show weakness I'm not going to break, but this guy, this guy does. It's interesting. It says that Jesus from the next 3 chapters from chapter 4 on through 5, 6 and 7, he goes through these these teachings and he's up on this mountain, this mountain plain. It's kind of this flat little area. And he's got all these thousands of people up there and he's teaching them. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. These wonderful wonderful metaphors these moral encouragements. He 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 takes task with them on issues of responsibility of taking care of the poor. He warns them against thinking too highly of oneself. It's a wonderful, wonderful sermon. Set of sermons. And then when he's done, he finishes. And the people are amazed. This is what they said he teaches as one who has authority like uh, the words that he uses the weight of the story it has so much gravity to it so much more than anything we've heard from any of our own teachers of the law and it said that the people were amazed at his teaching because he taught with one who had authority The field is electric as he's coming down the mountain. Can you imagine? (laughs) I mean, can you imagine? He just healed a bunch of people, then he just taught a bunch of people, and everybody's just sitting there like, this is the craziest. This guy really is every single bit of it. He's everything. And people are just surrounding him. There's men who are trying to slide up and ask him questions. Jesus, can I I bother you for a sec? I know you're doing the Messiah thing right now, but I'm building a shed. And if, uh, maybe another time. Okay, maybe another time. Women are coming up with their babies. Hey, did uh, you bless them? Did you kiss them? Hold them? There's these little boys that run around. You see them. They're here too. They're at this church too. These little bitty ones, little just wily, wily little rascals. And they come up and they tell you these pointless stories. Hey, mister, I the first time I found a frog. I pulled one leg off and threw it on the wall. with it. And you're like, What is this kid? Who are these kids' parents? You know? And can you imagine? These same kind of kids are standing there, tugging at Jesus' robe and telling them these endless, pointless stories. And Jesus is looking at them like, wow, that is, you are really a weird kid. This is a, and the feel is just electric. And all of a sudden, from the very, very, very back of the crowd, there's a scream. It starts off as one scream, then it turns into a bunch of screams. And then that noise just moves through the crowd like an airborne virus. One by one by one, and the crowd just begins to split. He had sat in that lump of dust for so long, looking at his gnawed off fingers. And finally, it built something on the inside, hearing these stories about who Jesus is, and he got up and he ran. He heard where Jesus was, and he ran to him. And when he gets there, the crowd is just absolutely disgusted. Women are grabbing their children, pulling them aside. They're taking their their blouses and their shirts and their robes, and they're covering up their mouths, and they're pulling them back. Because here's the deal. If you were a leper, you were not supposed to come within five feet of an Israelite. And if there was wind out of the east, you weren't supposed to be within 150 feet of an Israelite. They had to wear these bells that notified other people that they were coming. And they had to yell unclean, unclean with their hand over their mustache everywhere they went. Unclean, 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 unclean. And you know what happens after a while to your insides when you say that thing about you all the time? Is that on the inside you become exactly what you say you are. Jared, you were such an idiot. Jared, you were such an idiot. Jared, you're such a failure. I'm the same guy I've always been. I've always done this over and over and over. And we hear ourselves say this stuff, and you know what happens? We become convinced of it. I'd like to think I'm a pretty convincing individual. You know what the problem is? Sometimes I convince myself of things too that I shouldn't convince myself of. My guess is you probably do too. Unclean, unclean. The crowd just splits. And there's yelling and there's murmuring, but no one's getting near. You don't want to open your mouth. You can smell it. Decomposition. You smell the smell? Decomposition? To where you know, like, that or something is dead. And you can tell by the But the appearance of the man, too. The law stated that if you were a leper, you had to wear shredded clothes, you had to leave your head uncovered, and your hair had to be unkempt. Do you know why? Because that is the same outfit that mourners at a funeral were to wear, except the leper was to mourn his own funeral for the rest of his life alone. And now he's in the crowd. He comes running up there and he's exhausted and he falls down flat on his face and everybody's moving backwards and Jesus never moves. Can you see him? Never moves. He doesn't shrink back. He doesn't pull his robe up over his mouth. He just gives the man space enough to say what he came to say. Jesus knew that this man's atrophied muscles didn't carry him this distance. Something else did. It's called faith. He crawls his way all the way up to Jesus. He gets to his knees, but he doesn't dare look up. And in that position, you would expect a man of that level of desperate to start begging for whatever he could possibly get from the Messiah. What's strange is he doesn't ask for anything. He doesn't try to strong-arm Jesus with a sob story. Well, here's the thing, Jesus. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. He doesn't give him a list of chores and things that he has done really well. Like the rich young ruler. Oh, I have kept every. Law. Oh, well, that's so good there scooter. What the law. He doesn't do anything. He comes to him and he simply says to him, "If you're willing, you can make me clean." If you take speech classes, acting classes, oratory. They teach you one of the ways to get your head all the way around a line or a verse or a stanza is to go through it and emphasize each word individually, time after time. If you are willing, you can make me clean. If you are willing, you can make me clean. If you are willing. You can make me clean. If you are willing you can make me clean. If you're willing you can make me clean. If you're willing then you can make me clean. if you're willing you can make me clean. If you're willing you can make me clean. If you're willing you can make me clean. It says Jesus reaches out and touches him. You know what's interesting about this? Is the man doesn't say, if you're willing, you can make me well. You know what he says? You can make me clean. What he's talking about is being ritually clean, meaning I can go back to the temple now. I can serve my family now. He says, you can make me clean. And Jesus says, first of all, I am. I am willing. And second, be clean another thing that's interesting. It says Jesus reached out and touched this man. Do you know what that word is? Reached out and touched? It means to throw an anchor. Jesus climbed aboard the drifting sea of a man and threw anchor for him. When he could find nothing to hold on to and he was just lost at sea, Jesus threw him an anchor. What else is interesting to me is that Matthew, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, all of them together, they have this thing about putting labels on people. Did you notice? Take a look at it. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. If we go back and look at verse 2. Came down from the mountainside. Large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy. You know what it doesn't say? A leper. You know what it says? A man with leprosy. You know what it tells me is that when Jesus comes up on somebody who is sick and ill and they're yelling unclean, unclean, and everybody says, back up, that's a leper, Jesus says, no, that's a man. That's a man. But you know what's crazy? Is that somehow our sickness becomes our identity most of the time? How many of you ever feel like maybe you are best known for your most notable sin? I do. Wouldn't it be awesome if there was a way to break that free? Good news, Jesus already did. Jesus already took that and removed it. He broke that piece off and said, No, 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 no. That's a problem. But that's not you. You know how I know this? Because if you go to chapter 9, verse 9, in the book of Matthew, Matthew was writing about his own calling from Jesus, and he's a tax collector. And listen what it says, 9-9. And Jesus went on from there, and he saw a man named Matthew sitting at a tax collector's booth. He saw a man named Matthew. I cannot tell you how many times this, this verse right here has brought me so much joy and comfort in dark days. In moments to where I was just like, Jared, you are garbage. And I would hear the Holy Spirit say, nope, you're just a man at a garbage booth. Jared, you were such a problem. Nope, you're just a man at a problem booth. I'm such a failure. Nope, you're just a man at a failure booth. If we could get you away from that booth, imagine what we'd do together. And this is what Jesus sees. He reaches out and he touches the man and he says, be clean. I'm willing. Be clean. So maybe that's you. Maybe you have reached that ultimate low. The bottom of the barrel, the end of you. And you find yourself at that place saying, I can't really afford another letdown. Faith scares me a bit. If I put my faith in Jesus, what if it doesn't work out? Um, Well, I can tell you this. It won't work out if you don't. Yeah, but maybe it'll be less painful. Uh, I think we're probably going to have a little bit of that along the way anyway i also tell you this, I'd much rather have him on my team than against me. Because he's ferocious. And even if he is ferocious and scary, I'd much rather have him on my team than against me. Maybe that's you. You've been drifting for way, 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 way too long. You have thrown anchor over and over and you can't find a rock to hang on to for nothing. Maybe it's time to throw it again onto the rock that is our salvation, Jesus Christ. Maybe you're at that place to where you finally realized, OK, this is my biggest problem. This is my biggest problem, but I can't let it go. I can't make it public. I can't talk to somebody about it. You know what to call that? Leprosy of the soul. You look great on the outside, and you're dying on the inside. You got people around you everywhere, and you look real good doing it, but on the inside, you are alone and in isolation. On the outside, you're prim and proper, and you hit the gym, and you look real great, but on the inside, you smell like death. And you're decaying, and you're dying. Maybe that's you. And if it is, I want to tell you this. He didn't see Matthew, the tax collector, as a tax collector. He didn't see the leper as a leper. He doesn't see you as the brokenness that you have made and the trouble that you've caused and the lives that you've messed up and all the things that you think are so absolutely horrible. Because here's what Jesus did when he touched the man. Do you know what happened? First, he became unclean. With the man, See, the law said this, that if Jesus were to touch this man, he now becomes ritually unclean. And now Jesus is ritually unclean. Here's what's crazy, is it's not a sin to be ritually unclean. It just means you're ritually unclean. And Jesus first becomes ritually unclean with him, then he becomes ritually unclean for him. And he takes away this man's uncleanness and sends him to the priest. I got news for you, he's done the same thing for you. Scripture says this, that he has taken all of your sin and all of your burden and all of your care and all of these things and he himself has become sin for you. If you don't know Jesus, I would love to sit down and talk to you about him. I get a little nerded out about him sometimes. A little bit. But it's because it's, he's about the only thing that can keep my attention for very long. If you don't know him, I would love to sit down and introduce you to him. I'd love to sit down and visit with you about that. Let's pray. God, we thank you for everything that you've done for us, and we thank you for your word. And we thank you for how vivid these wonderful stories are. Lord, we ask that you will uh, work in our hearts and our lives. Lord, convince us that we are not what we think we are. Lord, lead us to passages and people. They can make a difference in our life and convince us of how you see us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a wonderful afternoon.